Thank you uh, for coming tonight to worship our Lord. And I want to extend a special thanks to uh, Luke, Pastor Luke, uh, giving me the opportunity to come and minister to you. So I'm happy to be here to do that this, uh, this evening. Uh, if you would, I'd like to invite you tonight to open up your Bibles. Turn with me to Mark's Gospel, Chapter 4, as we're continuing on the series that we've started uh, here at Christ Church that Pastor Luke has been taking us through. And tonight we're going to look at verses 1 to 20 of Mark's Gospel. And you can find that on screen. And if you didn't bring a Bible, uh, we'll have that text up there for you as well. But Mark's Gospel, Chapter 4. Please get your attention as I read to you God's Word tonight. And he began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And as he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this, behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it. Another seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. Because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Another seed fell into the good soil, and they grew up and increased, and they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. And as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you it has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside to get everything in parables, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones who are beside the road where the the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. For they have no firm root in themselves, but only temporary then, When affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on good soil. They hear the word and accept it. And bear fruit, thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. The word of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word tonight. As we pause to look at chapter 4 of Mark's gospel. And this wonderful parable, but a very sobering parable. About our Lord's teaching and the hearts of those who hear the word of God proclaimed to them. So, Father, as we, as your people who have gathered, professing your name, we pray, Lord, that our ears would be open to hear your word, that we would indeed hear it and believe it. 
Father, we pray that you would work within our hearts if there are things we need to repent of, that you would move upon our hearts through the preaching of your word tonight and that we would be tender and soft to that and follow you. We thank you for this time. May your spirit move among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I was thinking about this parable and what it was talking about, I I started to reminisce. Um, I I became a Christian back in 1994. I was living in San Jose, California. I was a computer technician, a young man, and uh, wasn't a believer at all. Was actually very wicked, had a very wicked lifestyle, was not uh, interested in the things of the Lord at all. But through a series of events, the Lord got a hold of my heart, really shook me up, and I repented of my sins and placed my faith into Jesus Christ. And immediately, as probably some of you can have experienced, I was excited about my faith. I, I really wanted to talk about my faith. And I, I came to work as a different person. I was telling people about the gospel. I was telling them where I went to church. I was inviting them to come to church. And I remember there was this instance where uh, this church I was going to had a revival that was going on. And uh, I came out of a Baptist background, and they had the revival, the week-long revival, and the guys coming to preach. And I was just enthralled with what he said. And I thought, you know, my friend Curtis needs to come with me to this revival. Because, you know, Curtis needs Jesus. He doesn't know the Lord. And he's my friend, and I want him to, to believe. And so I, I bring Curtis uh, there, and I'm sitting there. We're listening to the sermon. You know, I'm kind of sitting there looking over to the side, kind of catching an eye on him. You know, is he weeping? Is he in tears? Is he ready to go forward? And he's just sitting there calm and quiet. And so the invitation comes, and they invite people forward, and Curtis just sits there, doesn't move at all. And I'm just kind of like, okay, maybe he wants to talk afterwards. You know, we'll talk about this later on. Maybe he's a little nervous to walk forward. And so after the sermon, we're in a car, and I say, you know, hey, Curtis, what do you think about the sermon? That was good. Okay. So what do you think about what he said? That's yeah, all right. You mean you don't believe? Or, you know, kind of just, you know, real brash. You know, don't you believe it? Don't you want to be a Christian? And his words, I'll never forget this. He said, yeah, it's nice, but it's just not for me. You know, I'm happy for you, Tim, but it's not really for me. And I I remember I was so shocked. I mean, how could someone sit under the preaching of the word, hear the good news about Jesus Christ, and just go, yeah, it's okay. And meanwhile, here I am just being slain, you know, just like amazed by what God is doing, my own heart being changed, seeing things happen. And it really made me begin to realize and wonder, you know, the big question we all have is, why do people respond so differently when they hear the gospel? Maybe you ask yourself that question a lot. How come, you know, somebody can hear the gospel preached and they're like, yes, I believe in the sense, and another person hears it and they're just like, eh, no big deal. And of course, at that time, I thought, well, you know, maybe it's your method. You know, there's, there must be a method that you have to use that if you find the right method, then you can make them believe it'll happen. I began to realize, though, that that wasn't true because people come to the Lord in all kinds of different ways. People come through their family. People come through the church. They come through friends sharing the gospel with them, reading the Bible, reading tracts, indirect conversations, Christian radio, TV, evangelistic crusades. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, one of my favorite stories was a story that Spurgeon told how a man came to faith because he's up in the rafters working on uh, some fixtures. And and Spurgeon comes into this church and just yells out, you know, kind of bells out in his big, boisterous way, Behold the Lamb of God! And the man was convicted and repented of his sins right there. And you think, wow, that's amazing. But yet someone can preach a whole sermon and they're just sitting there like a stone. Why are people like that? And God calls his people to himself in many different ways. But why do some believe and some don't? Well, here in this parable tonight, Jesus is talking about that very issue. 
That's what Jesus is talking about when he told this parable of the sower and the soils. This parable, you see, is a major teaching of Mark. Mark is, Mark is laying out for you right now, here in chapter 4, why everyone has been responding to Jesus the way that they have been responding to him since the very beginning of this book. When Mark lays out, this is the Son of God, and he begins to lay out Jesus' claims of who he is. And yet people are hearing him, and they're opposing him when he healed the paralytic in chapter 2. And then when he was welcoming tax collectors and sinners and eating with them, and people are going, how could you do that? In chapter 2, verse 16. And then the complaints that came against Jesus and his disciples for not fasting. They weren't fasting. And that was a big deal in chapter 2, verse 18. And then later, they're being criticized for picking and eating grain on the Sabbath. Which, by the way, they were not breaking the law. They were breaking the traditions of man, but not the law of God. But they're criticized for that. Jesus is criticized. He's also criticized for healing on the Sabbath. For accused of being in league with, the, with Satan, as Pastor Luke showed us last week. That you can do these things because you're in league with Satan. His family thought he'd lost his mind. And the religious leaders, they're so angry at Jesus, they're seeking to murder him at any opportunity that they can get. I mean, why do some believe and some don't? The answer is because it's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. It's the heart's condition. You see, the heart is either able to receive the gospel or it isn't. Can we change a person's heart and make them more willing to be ready to receive Christ? Some say yes. But I would tell you the scripture says no, you can't. It's the work of God through the gospel changing people's lives. You see, Jesus here in this parable calls us to listen to him. And to trust that God is doing an amazing work in bringing sinners to salvation. Listen, beloved, do you believe that, that God is doing an amazing work in bringing lost sinners like you and me to Jesus Christ? He is. He is. And he's doing an amazing work in my life and in your life. And he calls us to receive his words. To believe in them. And so that's what this parable is laying out. This is about those who listen and those who don't. Thus the title, Are You Listening to Jesus? And I ask you that, my friend. Are you listening to Jesus tonight? Are you listening to him? Because what Jesus says in this parable is to be taken seriously. And to consider it and to hear it, to let it change your life. So let's get into our parable tonight. We can break it down really in two uh, sections. First one, the parable told, told in verses 1 to 12, and then the parable explained in verses 13 to 20. Notice the parable told in the first 12 verses. I'm not going to read those again. I think we could have them on the screen for you. But the context in which Jesus begins this time of teaching is by the seaside. He's at the Sea of Galilee. This is his Galilean ministry. And he, and he has so many crowds who are following him. I mean, these are thousands and thousands of people. That's the idea of multitudes. These are thousands. This is like mega church kind of stuff. And people are just falling to the point. He can no longer just stand on land and talk. He has to pull back onto the ocean and talk, or on the sea, and talk on a boat. Great acoustics, of course, you know, sound's going to project a lot better. And so he is teaching from a boat to thousands and thousands of people. And as I thought about that this week, I thought, you know, that's pretty amazing. 
I mean, when you have thousands and thousands of people following you and coming to hear you speak, two things are probably going on. You must be one great communicator. <laughs> you know, you are, can really get people's attention. And number two, you're saying things that they like. They feel good about themselves. I like this person. I want to hear what he says. But you know, Jesus does something that's so opposite of everything that we would expect someone to do, doesn't he? Did you know that in, Jesus, in, in all of the Gospels, when Jesus is speaking to multitudes of people, it says he speaks to them in parables. And they're not clear. What a way to speak to people. I mean, I, I would not recommend that I'm doing... I hope I'm not doing that tonight, speaking to you in a parable of unclearness. Uh, but our Lord would often speak unclearly to people. And he did it on purpose. John tells us, Mark tells us that he, he often told parables in public, but in private he's explaining it to his disciples as we sort of get a snapshot here later on. But Jesus speaks in parables. And people sometimes understand. There's that moment, remember in Matthew 21, where the Pharisees, they, they kind of caught on and said, oh, wait, wait a second, you're telling a parable about us. I don't like that. I hate you even more. But then there's other times when he's telling parables and people are just kind of going, I don't get it at all. Like when he was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and people are just like, what in the world is that? We're good Jewish people. We don't do that. And so they became offended by what our Lord was saying. Very common way of responding to Jesus. And so Jesus gives this parable. And the parable begins there in verse 3 with those words, listen. And this is important for us to understand why he says listen. Akuate, that's the word in the Greek. It means give it your full attention. It's not just the word of like, hey, listen, I want to tell you a joke or I want to tell you something interesting. This is, listen, you need to hear and obey what I'm about to say to you. And so that's how Jesus starts off. He says, listen, you need to hear what I'm saying to you. And so he begins to talk about a very common subject, of course, for people back then, farming. You know, I grew up in a farm. We were cotton farmers. My father was a cotton farmer. My father's father was a cotton farmer. My father's father was a cotton farmer. It just goes back quite a long ways. And so, you know, I can relate to the farming and what's going on here. Some of us grew up in farming. But definitely in that day and age, everybody farmed. They got it. They understood something about sowing seed. And so Jesus tells this this parable that this, this sower goes out, he throws seed down, he throws it on the four different kinds of soil, a beaten path, um, rocky ground, thorny ground, and then good soil. And of course, there's four different responses. The birds come and eat what's on the hard ground and nothing grows. And then it comes to the rocky ground, it quickly grows up, but nothing, it doesn't have root, so it dies. And then the thorns, uh, it plant the seed in the thorns, grows, but the thorns grow up along with it and choke it out. And it too dies is the idea of what's being said there. And then finally, the last soil, the great soil, the good soil, Jesus, so, uh, the, the word is sown there and it yields 30, 60, 100 fold. Tremendous amount of turnout. And Jesus then ends with those words in um, verse 9, let him who has ears to hear Hear. In other words, if you're listening, then listen. Or you put it even more this way, if you get it, then obey. And that's how Jesus taught in public, always in parables. It's not exactly seeker sensitive, isn't it, the way that he's preaching? He's, he's just saying, if you get it, get it. If you can hear it, hear it. And you, you know, it's not that Jesus is being unkind. No, don't think that. It's not that he's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a secret Gnostic and I am only have the special knowledge for certain people or things like that. No. It's saying something about who he is. 
That's why when he talks to them later on about, in the next following verses, about why he preaches the way that he does in verses 10 to 12, he's telling them that he preaches in a veiled way towards people because there's two reasons why he's doing that. He's doing it, number one, because it's according to divine plan. In other words, Jesus said, our Lord always said, didn't he, that he would go to the cross when his time had arrived. He said, I'm going to go to the cross on the Lord's timetable, on my Father's timetable. And Jesus knew that there were certain things that he could say and would say throughout his ministry that if it got out or things got a hold, they could take him and try to kill him ahead of plan, which, of course, they wouldn't, but they would try to. I mean, that had happened before already in our Lord's lives. Remember what happened? It's, it's kind of his coming out at his hometown. You know, you imagine you come home to your hometown. You're ready to preach. You sit down. He reads from the book of Isaiah, talking about the day of the Lord has come before you, being fulfilled in your midst. He puts it away, sits down, and says, this has been uh, fulfilled in your very presence. And everyone goes, right on, Jesus. No, not at all. Instead, they jerk him up out of there and start to run him out of town to a hill, to a cliff to throw him over the edge to kill him and yet jesus walks out of their midst why it's not his time and so that's often why jesus spoke in parables but it goes even more than just that it was also a divine warning when jesus was speaking in those parables he was giving a warning because right there if you look at your bibles he quotes scripture he quotes isaiah chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 which deals with israel's hard-heartedness towards god He says, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven. See, Isaiah in this passage here was commissioned to bring a warning of God's judgment and a call to repentance. That was the context for Isaiah. And that was the context of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is it that Jesus came preaching as he began his ministry? Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And so Jesus always was preaching repentance. And it was to be heard. If it wasn't to be heard, then there would be judgment upon those who reject the truth. And so Jesus was fulfilling that wonderful prophecy of Deuteronomy when Moses said, There will come a prophet who will come and speak in my words and speak my ways. And you will need to hear him. And so that's the parable kind of laid out. But what does it mean? Because, you know, his disciples come to him. In this passage, they say, you know, we don't understand what this means. What are you getting at? Can you tell us this straightforward? And Jesus does that. Look at the parable explained in verses 13 and 20. First, notice who is the sower and what is the seed? Who is the sower and what is the seed? Jesus begins giving an allegorical interpretation of this parable. That's not how we're to approach all parables, but Jesus makes it clear this is what he's doing right here. And so he's saying these, these elements of the parable mean something. They're pointing to something. And so Jesus begins, he doesn't identify who the sower is, but it's the person who proclaims the gospel. Of course, in this context, who is the one who's proclaiming? It's Jesus. He is. Later on, it will be his disciples and acts as the church goes forth. And then after that, it will come preachers and teachers of the word of God. And then even just all Christians, you and I who are called upon to proclaim the Word of God, who, who, who share our faith with other people, those courtesies in our lives, or your co-workers, or friends, or family, that you continue to tell them about Christ. You're being a sower of the Word of God. And so that's what we're commanded to do. And that seed is the gospel that's being sown. And so what do these soils refer to? Well, notice number one, the first soil that he talks about, 
That hard ground refers to a hard heart. It's a hard heart. That's what he means by the hard path. You see, this is a person who's not interested in Christ at all. That's the idea of the path. I mean, nothing is going to grow on a path. It's hard ground. It can't penetrate. All proclamation goes in one ear and out another. He says, this is Satan comes and takes the word and goes off with it. It doesn't, it doesn't even penetrate at all. This is what J.C. Ryle stated when he said, the preaching of the gospel produces no more effect on them than water on a stone. And at the end, they go away knowing no more than when they came in. This is a sad reality. Some of us have known stony people, hard people. Some of us have been hard people that the Lord has saved. We're going to get to that in a moment. But that's one type of response. It's that hard heart that does not receive the word of God. Notice the second kind of soil. It's the shallow heart. It's the rocky ground. This is the seed that's planted. It doesn't take root. It doesn't have enough uh, ground and soil. And so it quickly grows. Then it withers away. And it's talking about people who are attracted to the benefits of the gospel, but not to Christ. And we've seen people like this. Perhaps you've been one of those people before. Maybe you're one of those people right now. You know, this is sort of the foxhole religion. You know, my life is really bad. Things are going on. I think I need to get to church because maybe I can get some good out of this and things will not be so bad. We come to church because we're in need and we're worried. But sadly, as trouble passes, so does our commitment. You know, it wasn't because we were coming for Christ. We were coming for, for ourselves. Jesus says, it's me that you need Jesus Christ. Or perhaps being a Christian is attractive for whatever reason, but when persecution or affliction comes, and it will, they're gone. I know just, I, I told you I became a Christian in 1994. I've known people who were like this, people who came and they, they, they were red hot for the Lord. It seems like, wow, this is an amazing brother or sister in the Lord. And to this day, I don't even know where they're at because they walked away. Notice the third soil that Jesus talks about in verses 18 to 19. That thorny soil. It's that worldly heart. It's that worldly heart that Jesus is talking about. These are people who are attracted to the gospel and they seem to embrace it. They, they may talk the talk or even seem to walk it for the most part. They may have some strange beliefs that make you kind of wonder about them at times. You know, they say things, you're like, that's a little different. But, you know, they're still saying enough of the good things. You're like, okay, I think that's all right. You know, all right. But when things get tough, or there comes a point, the time will always tell what the condition of this heart is, isn't it? That thorny heart. Because Jesus goes on and tells a little bit more about what is that thorny heart. And it says the marks of a thorny heart are what he says right there in the parable. These aren't my words. This is what Jesus says. He says it's one that's controlled by the worries of the world. Controlled by the worries of the world. Not that you are a worried person. We all struggle with worry. But this is like controlled. It's your Lord and Master. And your Lord and Master may be the deceitfulness of riches. Your yearnings are always seeming to out, outgrow or go beyond your earnings. And you're always wanting more. It's never enough. It's never enough. 
deceitfulness of riches. Or Jesus just goes to the third mark and says, it's anything that's, that you value more than Christ. Anything. But you say, that's more important to me than Jesus Christ. You know, these so dominate the heart that Christ has no dominion in their lives because these are the objects of their worship. You know, how do you know when someone is desiring something beyond Christ? Because they'll give up Christ in the church the moment that it threatens what they want. That's why we always have to check our hearts. You know, what is it that I'm desiring? Is it Christ in His glory? Is it the glory of God? Is it growing in grace and the love and unity of the brethren? Or is it just my own wants? Where is the fruit of the Spirit in these thorny hearts? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, as Galatians tells us. We'll look at the last soil that Jesus gives us. And this is the wonderful soil, the righteous soil in verse 20. You see, fruitfulness is the result of new life in Christ. It's not its cause. Let me say that again. Fruitfulness is the result of new life in Christ, not its cause. You see, the word of God, Jesus says, finds a place in this kind of heart and it produces an amazing crop. You know, I told you I grew up as a farmer's kid. I broke the mold. I became a preacher. I'm not a farmer at all. But, I mean, when I used to hear this parable, I used to think, man, this guy is like a bad farmer. I mean, what farmer just goes out and tosses seed anywhere and everywhere? Everyone knows you're supposed to plow the ground, till it, prepare it, and that's how you're going to get a good crop. And I realized that's not how they did it back then. I mean, plowing wasn't yet invented. That's not how they cultivated things. They just kind of threw it randomly. And sometimes it found good soil. Sometimes it didn't find good soil at all. And, and then even beyond that, when Jesus says, well, you know, this harvest that this good soil comes about is 30, 60, or 100. If you don't know, uh, what was considered a good harvest in the time of the Bible here when Jesus was talking was maybe eightfold. Or tenfold. That was considered to be like, wow, you did, a, you had a great year. And so when Jesus says 30, 60, and 100, it's complete faithfulness. It's complete blessing from the Lord beyond anything that you could dream of in Christ. That gets to the point, doesn't it, with Christ? He always exceeds our expectations. Amen? Yes. It's all right to say amen. We can do that as Presbyterians. Christ always exceeds our expectations. And I'm so thankful that he does that, aren't you? Not everyone will experience the level of blessing as some. But listen, friend, even the least in the family of God still are in the family of God and are praising God for being born again. I mean, did you notice the threefold pattern of responding to Christ as his disciple in verse 20? I mean, this is how Christians respond. You see, those first three soils, those aren't referring to Christians. Those are people who have not received the good news of Jesus Christ. Those who are like the fourth soil, they're marked as hearers because, one, they hear the word. They actually hear it. And then they accept the word. And then they bear fruit. You see, this listening and obeying the Lord Jesus Christ as he commands in verse 3, listen and obey. 
So I ask you again tonight, are you listening to Jesus in your life? Are you listening to Jesus? Can you hear him? Jesus tells us to listen. So what kind of soil characterizes your heart? Maybe tonight you're here and you're a little hard towards the gospel. Kind of hard towards it. You're not really interested in the Christian faith. Maybe you come for whatever various reason. A spouse, a girlfriend, boyfriend drags you along. You're willing to do it. But you don't really care. You're not listening. I pray that the Spirit of God would break up your hard heart and bring you to repentance, even tonight. Or perhaps you're in the church and you care nothing at all for the Lord. You see, some of these soils can exist within the church and still not be of the church. You know, you're hearing the word proclaimed over and over again. And it's like, as one commentator says, you've heard it so often, you're like everyone when they get on the airplane. You know, all of us have traveled at least once in their lives on an airplane, right? Okay, you know, what do you usually do when, when that shortest, well, that's, that's politically incorrect. The uh, flight personnel gives you the instructions for flying, go through the safety regulations. How many of you really listen? If you're younger to flying, perhaps you do. But most of us, we check out. We don't even listen to what she's saying. That's often what happens with the hard-hearted person. They can sit under the powerful preaching of the Word of God, and it's just kind of like, blah, 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 blah. Can't hear it. Maybe tonight, you're one who is struggling with a shallow and rocky heart that Jesus spoke about. You follow Christ because you want something from Him. Affliction and persecution will come because of your profession of faith in Christ. It will come. Beloved, if you haven't experienced persecution yet for your faith, it will come. And when that comes, I pray that God would use it to remove those stones and bring you to repentance of life. That you wouldn't be a shallow Christian, but that you would be good soil. That he would make you good soil. Perhaps you're struggling with worldliness. Those are the thorns of the soil, of the soul. As I said earlier, your earnings are always beyond your earnings, so you lust after wealth. It's never enough. You worry incessantly about everything. It's your characteristic. I worry. And you desperately try to control all of life so that it goes your way. I want to be the boss. I want to control this situation. And I'll do whatever I can to get control. Pray that God would pull those thorns out of your heart. Because it's choking you. It's choking you. And you need Jesus Christ. And the forgiveness that he can give. Did you notice the continual reference in what I was saying about God making the heart willing and able to hear and believe and obey? You see, this is the promise that comes from Christ. This parable makes it clear that God determines the soil. Nothing was said about the soil being prepared. It's the soil that is, that is receiving that word. It's the way people respond And listen, beloved, I want you to hear this and hear it well. There isn't a soil that God cannot make fertile for His glory. 
Some of you were hard soil. And God broke you down and made you his own and you embraced him as Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you were shallow and God gave you substance in Jesus Christ. Some of you are thorny, prickly, worried. And God has said, I am enough for you. And he's all that you need. You see, that's the kind of work that God's spirit does on the hearts of his people. He changes us miraculously. We can't make somebody believe. We're not the Holy Spirit. But listen, brothers and sisters, our job is to tell the truth, to lovingly tell the truth and to pray earnestly that God would cause the seed to find good soil. That's what we do because we love people. Because God loves sinners. Even Christians will struggle with sin, but God will not forsake his people. Are you struggling at times of being thorny? Yeah. Stop. Look to Jesus Christ for your hope. Do we sometimes act like the world and become shallow in our devotion with the Lord? Yeah. Sometimes we do. But Jesus Christ wakes us up. His spirit moves upon our hearts. He makes that good soil continuing to be good soil. He is the perfect gardener. He is the wonderful shepherd of the sheep who cares deeply for his people. Listen, beloved, there isn't anything going on in your life right now that God is not sovereignly in control and watching out for you. The pain, the persecution that you may be going through and you feel like no one is listening. God doesn't care. Friends, that's a lie from the devil. God does care. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. You belong to the family of God. And he cares deeply for his people. There's a host of things before us, beloved, that we don't know what is coming down the road our way. We may lose our job. We may have to move. Our children may get sick. Anything, a spouse gets sick. We get deployed. Whatever it may be, God knows. And he's caring for you because you're his people. Listen to him. Listen. This good soil that Jesus speaks about, it desires the good seed of the gospel, doesn't it? That's why I love the hymn that we sang, Be Thou My Vision. It's my favorite hymn. It's like preaching my whole text tonight as we sung that. You see, when you are in Jesus Christ, you yearn for the things of God. You desire God. And why do you desire God? It's because we are admitting together, Romans 3, 23, for all has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. It's, it's confessing the truth of Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. You know, I'm not going to earn my way to God by any, any work that I do. I can't be a good boy and get all my stars on, the, on God's fridge and, and make it into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Everything I do apart, of God, apart from Christ's work is death. 
But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we confess. It's believing Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. When the Lord Jesus saves you, He saves you completely. You're not trying to toil out your salvation. Some of us grew up in that environment. You know what I'm talking about. You're hoping you're going to get in. You're hoping that your good works are going to outweigh your bad. Jesus hung on the cross and he said, what? It's finished. It's finished. Meaning what he did for us is complete and everlasting. And we believe that. And we cherish the words of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And it's knowing that you are His. John 1, 12. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in His name. Some of us didn't have good family lives. Some of us did. Praise God for that. But some of us didn't. And the best family you've ever been a part of is the family of God. That's what our Lord does. He takes broken people and heals them and makes them part of His family. And that's what the good soil cries out. It's the gospel is the lifeblood of every believer that means everything. It means everything to us and it affects everything that we do in life. The gospel changes everything from how we view it. It changes how we view our work. It changes how we view our family. It changes how we view our relationships, our church fellowship, our worship. It changes everything. It's as this hymn says, be thou my vision, O Lord. Nothing else, only you. It's the proclamation that Jesus, you are Lord, and I will listen and I obey. Can you say with John Calvin, my heart I offer to you, Lord, promptly and sincerely? Because you're everything. I pray that you're listening to Christ today. I pray that you can hear his voice when he speaks to you through his word. I pray that you hear our Lord in the joys and the sorrows of life. And that you praise Him to whom all glory belongs. I pray that you can hear Him say, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can have that peace that surpasses all understanding. Come to Christ. Hear Him. Obey Him. And as our Lord says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of the gospel. The glorious, glorious truth of the gospel. Father, we pray that you would continue to do that amazing work on our hearts. Making us more and more like Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And Father, we pray as we continue to pray and lifting up prayers for those who do not know you. And Lord, those seeds that are continuing to be sown in their hearts, that Father, they would find fertile soil, that you would be pleased to save them from their sins. Oh, Father, you are wonderful, you are magnificent and glorious. May you be praised. We thank you for Lord Jesus in his name. Amen.